Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, everyone. Wow, this is great. What a, what a wonderful group this morning. I was wondering on my, on my way here, um, you know, how many we might get with the snow coming down like that. And uh, I'm out, you know, cleaning the windows off of the car and getting everybody, getting everybody out of the house and walking the dog in the slush and thinking, oh, I wonder who's going to. But it's so good to see everyone here this morning. My name is, is Pastor John. I'm an Alpine Central pastor. Um, and I'm glad I remembered to pray because a few weeks ago something scandalous happened. I started my message without prayer. And shame on me. Yes, Lord, forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. So, but uh, welcome, as, as Mark said. Uh, we're so glad everyone came out today. If you're new, if you're visiting, we just want to, again, offer you an extra warm welcome and say thanks for coming out and pursuing God with us this morning. Um, let me start this morning with just a question. Who gets you in your life? Who gets you? And, and as you're thinking about that, I want you to think of this. Have you ever just met someone and like even in a short amount of time, that person just gets you and you connect over something? Maybe it's something simple like, you know, I see the guy walking down, walking down uh, uh, the street with a, the number 34 Chicago Bears jersey on. I go, sweetness! Yeah, man, I get you. That's that 88, Walter Payton, 85 Bears, man. You, you and me, we're like this, right? Or maybe it's music. Maybe somebody, you find out somebody enjoys the same music you like, and, and, and you go, wow, this person, they, ju- they just get me. And think about how that affects the start of, of your relationship and how maybe that even tends to attract you to someone when they, when they get you, right? And maybe it's deeper than that, too, beyond sports and, and music, um, I remember just a, uh, this week, actually, just this last week, I was uh, meeting a, a gentleman out. Uh, we're doing a little mentoring, catching up, uh, talking about our lives. It's only the second time I, I sat down with this, this guy, and um, I came to find out in our conversation, we're just talking about what God, what Jesus is up to in our lives. If you want to know what mentoring is, that's essentially it right there. Get down, sit down with somebody and talk to them about what Jesus is up to in their life, Okay. But we're talking about what Jesus is up to in our lives, and it, we, we come to this point in our conversation where he shares with me that his parents both passed in rapid succession at a fairly young age, in their, in their early to mid-60s. And I went, whoa, my parents both passed at a very, uh, relatively, in their mid-60s uh, in rapid succession. And right there, I'm like, oh, okay, this guy, he gets me at this level, right? Because unless you've gone through that, you just don't know, and I don't, I, I don't wish it upon you, but, but you don't know, and so him and I, we connected there, right? Or, or how about, um, ladies, you might appreciate this one, ladies that are, are mothers, I should say. Um, you know, I, I'm in the delivery room. This is kind of, uh, this, this is a combination between both my daughter, Sydney, and Presley's birth. It bleeds together because they were born 18 months apart, but basically, we're in the delivery room, and, and it comes to that point, and, and Valerie had decided, you know, she didn't Want, want to have a C-section, uh, and, and so um, she's working hard, but it's coming to that point where the doctors and the nurses are going, hey, you know, something's got to change here pretty quick because we need to get this baby out, and I remember that nurse. I remember that nurse getting, I mean, just looking Valerie straight in the eye, getting down like this and saying, let's go. Push that baby out. Push that baby out, and, and they didn't have to say a word, right, and I'm glad I didn't say a word because I don't think my encouragement at that time would have, would have had the same effect. But Valerie looked at that, at that nurse, and again, a word didn't have to be spoken, but she knew that nurse was a mama. 
She knew that that nurse had been there, that she could relate to her, that she could identify with her. And sure enough, both girls came flying out. (laughs) That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about Jesus getting us, identifying with us. And and you may be thinking, well, of course Jesus gets us. He's God. He, He created us. You know, that's like Bill Gates getting the computer or, or Henry Ford getting an automobile. Yeah, well, and yes, you're right. Jesus gets us on that level. Uh, John chapter uh, 1, verse 3 says, All things were made through him, Jesus, and without him not anything was made that was made. I mean, everything was made through Christ. Jesus made everything, but it's more than that. Jesus gets us in his humanity, in his mind, his emotions, his joys, his trials, his pains, his sorrows. Jesus gets us at a flesh and blood level because he became flesh and blood. So today we're going to take a look here at this, the, these verses. We're, we're in, again, the book of Mark. So open up your Bibles. I would encourage you to open up your Bibles. Turn to chapter 1 in Mark. We're at verse 9 now. And we're going to look at this morning, uh, uh, as, we, as we look at verses 9 through 15, the baptism of Jesus, his temptation, and then our response. We're going to look at how Jesus gets us in, in those ways. So let's, again, turn chapter uh, 1 in Mark, verse 9, and let me read it for you here. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. All right, I'm going to stop there for just a moment. Um, let, me, let me give you some backstory here, some context. So Mark starts his gospel back in, in verse 1, where many good authors might start in the beginning. Verse 1 of Mark, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. By the way, you know there's three beginnings? This is a little offshoot here, but do you know there's three beginnings in Scripture? Who knows the first beginning? Genesis. Gotcha! I got a pastor! Oh, this is great! Genesis 1-1. He's, he's tech. I, it was a trick question, okay, to be fair. It was a trick question. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But you know there was a beginning before that. John 1-1. In the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, that beginning preceded the creation beginning. God, the Son, has existed in all eternity before creation even began. But this beginning, this is the new beginning that Mark's talking about. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Mark ties this beginning to the presence of, of John, this guy that's about to baptize Jesus here. And he ties it to these Old Testament scriptures that predict that a prophet would come crying out in the wilderness, make a way for the Lord, make his path straight. Now, let me, let me simplify this just a little bit. You know, um, we're coming to a time of the year where you're going to see some guys that look pretty ridiculous out there wearing uh, Statue of Liberty costumes on the street corners, and they're pointing to a little uh, strip mall office building. What does that mean, guys? Tax time is coming. Tax time is coming, and that's what the Israelites would have known. They, they knew when this guy, this crazy guy in the wilderness eating grasshoppers and wild honey. When you see him, you know that the Lord is coming, but it's not about preparing your taxes. You better prepare your, you better prepare your heart because the Lord is coming. You better repent 
because here comes the Lord. And they did, and they came out to John the Baptist in the wilderness in droves. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. And let's not miss this. He came from Nazareth. Nazareth wasn't even on the map, guys. This was like, you know, uh, the outskirts, the unincorporated Hooper. Is that, me? Is that a good? Yeah, okay. Unincru- I don't know. Un- this was out there, right? And people came in droves because they knew, okay, we need to be ready for this. And here comes Jesus just getting in line with all the other sinners. And so uh, he walks up to, to John to be baptized, and Jesus' baptism has really three uh, significant uh, areas that we're going to look at today. Um, uh, these areas in, of his baptism, um, the first one is this baptism, uh, it, it affirmed Jesus as the second person of the Trinity, okay? But we're going we're gonna to read the rest of that verse, which, forgive me, I need to do that. Okay, chapter, uh, verse 1, 9 through 11. So Jesus, he, he comes up to John the Baptist, Baptist, and it says, As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And so this is an affirmation that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. This is an amazing scene that is displayed before us. This amazing event where we see this relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit play out right before our very eyes. Now, many would, some would debate this idea of the Trinity in the Bible, this, this word Trinity. They, they say, well, you know, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. Well, okay, that's fair. The word is not in, in the Bible, but the Trinity is on display for us in the Bible. The Trinity is just a theological term we use to describe this relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three, three persons, one in essence. And this is an area that God can relate to us in because, yes, in his divinity, but also in his humanity because God, okay, he didn't need us to be in relationship. God did not create man so that he could learn how to love another person, for example. God has loved himself within the Trinity from all eternity. He didn't need us to do that. And so here we have the divinity of Jesus get, getting us, but also we have the humanity of Jesus getting us. Because this, in this scene, th- this reminds me of, of um, uh, a father in the bleachers at a, 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 a graduation ceremony or a, a, you know, a, a sporting awards event or something like that where you know, the MC stands back and he says, hey, listen, let's hold the applause to the end. And what happens you got that one father that, that says, that's my boy. That's my boy. He, he can't hold it back. But, but this, is not, this is not from the bleachers. This is from the throne room of heaven. God the Father tearing it open and saying, this is my son who I love dearly, who I'm pleased in. And, and this isn't God the Father um, 
at, at the end of the ceremony. This is, this, is this is Jesus just getting off the bus for his first day of school. He hasn't even done anything because God is pleased with Jesus because of who he is, not what he has done. Because he is God's son. He is in relationship with him, has been in relationship with him from eternity, all of eternity. It's positional. It's his identity. It's not about what he's done at this point. So the next, thing, the next area that Jesus, pardon me, I'll move on here. The next area uh, of Jesus' baptism that is significant that we're going to look at is it, it shows his willingness to identify with humanity. So before we take a look at how Jesus identified with us in humanity through his baptism, we're going we're gonna to look at a scripture that explains a little bit about how we identify with him in his humanity. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by, bat- by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So what is baptism? Baptism is a, a, a sign. Baptism um, is, is a symbol that, that says, hey, when, when we're baptized, we identify with you, Jesus. It, it's, it's saying, hey, I, I want to make a public declaration that, that I, I'm with him now. I, I'm dying to my sin, and I'm living with Christ. So, so I am buried with Christ, as the Scripture said, in, in baptism. My, my flesh has been crucified, and now I'm going to live a new life in Christ Jesus. Now, this isn't true for Jesus' baptism. Jesus didn't need to be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. Jesus never sinned. Jesus was baptized to identify with us in our humanity. He was baptized into our sin. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus did not need to be baptized for his sin. He needed to be baptized into ours. Another verse you all know, Isaiah 53, 5 through 6, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid upon him the sins of us all. You see, a substitution has taken place, two of them. We, man, has tried to substitute himself for God. That's what brought sin into the world. And now, God substitutes his, himself for man, and this is what brings salvation into the world. Jesus didn't need to be baptized because he never sinned, but he was baptized into our guilt, into our shame, into our suffering, 
and into the divine judgment and holy wrath of Almighty God. Not in his divinity, but in his humanity. John uh, 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Give me a one, one slide forward, please. Thank you. Another way that Jesus' baptism was significant is that it declared the start of his public ministry. Now, uh, if, you, if you know your Bible, you know the book of John, you know that uh, Jesus' mother uh, tried to jumpstart his ministry a little bit early. And Jesus said, hold on, it's not time yet. Although he obliged and honored his mother. Um, but here we have the start of his very public ministry. And so I've got a question for you. If you're someone who has trusted Jesus, you resolved to, to honor him, have you started your public ministry? Have you raised your hand and said, and said hey, I, I want to do this. I want to be baptized. There's have you um, decided that, you know what, this is the day that I'm going to mark the start of this very public ministry. Now, uh, this reminds me of a scene in, who, who in here watches, watches uh, the movie Elf over the Christmas holidays? Some of us, right? Remember that scene where Buddy comes out and he says, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows about it, right? This is baptism. Baptism is this public declaration that you have been, again, crucified in your flesh, and now you are in love, head over heels in love with Jesus Christ for how much he has loved you. Now, again, Jesus didn't need to be baptized for forgiveness, and here's, here's something interesting, nor do you. Baptism is, again, an outward public expression of an inward reality that has already taken place for those of us that have decided that we're going to follow Jesus. That we're going to, by grace through faith, put our trust in the work that he did on the cross, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Baptism, uh, Pastor Ross in the podcast, uh, if, if, if you're not following along with the podcast, I would encourage you to do so. You get a whole bunch more information if you go to alpinechurch.org uh, pardon me, if you go to uh, pursuegod.org forward slash mark, you can find the podcast. But one of the analogies Pastor Ross makes is, is this wedding band I have here. When, we're, when we decide we're going to follow Jesus and he does this inward work in our lives, we become his bride. Or his, his, I, I, no, yeah, his, his bride, yeah. Even, even us men, we become brides of Christ, bridegrooms of Christ. And so, now, if I were to take off this wedding ring, I, my wife and I were married 20 years ago this year. If I were to take off this wedding ring, that, that wouldn't stop me from, I wouldn't cease to be married. We were married 20 years ago under the eyes of God, and we commit, came into covenant together, and we were married whether I wear this ring or not. This ring doesn't make me wear, married, it doesn't make me unmarried. Jason has lost a lot of wedding rings, he knows this. Okay? But this ring is a public sign that I belong to my bride. 
And that's what baptism is. Baptism is this public outward expression that you belong to Christ. We're also going to look at Jesus' temptation now. And so we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 1, verse 12. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. So, Jesus can also connect with us, identify with us in his temptation in the wilderness. If you remember, I think last week, or last time I was here, I preached about this. Those that came before Jesus, we look back to, to well, obviously Adam fell, then Noah, Abraham, Moses, King David fell. All good, godly men, but just men. And so, it's like we look at this scripture here and we see the Spirit immediately compels Jesus into the wilderness after, after he has made this public declaration or to the start of his ministry. And how many of you can relate to that? How many of you can relate, well, you know what, I've decided to follow Jesus. Now it's gotten pretty tough. Do you know you have the Spirit of God in you too? You know you have the Spirit of God to help you through this t- temptation. I know it's easy to think, well, Jesus, Jesus did it. I mean, but he's, he's Jesus. And I think we can tend to think of Jesus almost too much in the, the, in the divinity column and forget that, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't uh, Clark Kent putting on his Superman costume and saying, okay, now I'm going to do the, the hard stuff. Well, okay, yes, you super fan people, uh, superhero people, I know, Superman was, is Clark Kent and Superman are the same guy, but it's a bad analogy, fine. But listen, listen th- th- this, <laughs> this was Jesus in his humanity by the power of the Spirit walking through this temptation. Let me, let me read to you Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Let's look at another verse. Hebrews chapter 4. The high priest, that's Jesus, of our, this high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testing we did, yet he did not sin. So let us boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So Jesus gets us. Jesus is truly man. He is truly God, but he is truly man. And I think it's hard when we say these, when we string these two words together, Jesus needed, what comes after that? I think we wrestle with that sometimes, but Jesus was truly human. Jesus needed to be born. Jesus needed parents. Jesus got hungry. He needed to eat. Jesus got tired. He needed to sleep. And in this context, maybe uh, the shortest verse, maybe the most profound in all of Scripture, John 11, uh, 35, Jesus wept. So, 
We have a Jesus that understands what we're going through, that can relate to us, that can look us in the eye and say, you can get through this. I've been there. And since Jesus did so much to become like us, we should respond by trusting him. And there is no better time to repent and believe than right now. Let's look at what Jesus has to say about it. You don't have to take my word for it. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. Later on, after Jesus was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come. At last, then he announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. What next steps do we need to take? What, are, what is our response? Well, if you're someone who hasn't trusted Jesus, if you're someone who hasn't taken that step by grace through faith to believe that Jesus Christ came, lived the perfect life on your behalf that you can't live, died a death that you owe God that you could never pay, and rose from the dead to give you new life, today is the day to repent and believe the gospel. Now, if you're somebody who has believed that and you haven't been baptized yet, then I would encourage you to see Pastor Mark. Go to the website if you need to, if you'd rather do it that way. But please certainly see Pastor Mark. Talk to me. Talk to Jason. Let us know that you want to take that step. You want to start your public ministry. Now, if you're someone that has been baptized, you've trusted Jesus, then I, I do want to end today with this, this question. How's your public ministry going? How is your public ministry going? Are you are you making disciples? Are you articulating the gospel? Who have you shared the gospel with lately? Are you in prayer? fervent prayer for your, your friends and your co-workers? Are you being a, a servant leader, battling temptation by the power of the Spirit? And again, calling people to repent and believe the gospel. This is the prayer. This is our call. Mark is this book of action as we've talked about in the weeks past. And this is this is the, the, um, the, the call on our lives as Christians. We're not to sit and wait around for, oh, let, the rapture is coming. Let's, let's hope it pulls us out of here and we'll just sit around and wait for that to happen. No. The moment Jesus went to that wilderness, we're going to see, and he uh, defeated Satan in the wilderness. The next place he went was straight to the cross. He is our servant king. And he modeled for us the same life in his humanity that he wants us to live to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord and our God, we are so grateful, Lord, that we can trust you, God, that, God, you didn't uh, stand far off and say, well, you, you made the mess, now you get yourself out of it. 
No, Lord God, you've, you've entered in, God, with your strong arm of salvation. You've come, God, to, to do the work that we couldn't do. And we praise your holy name, Lord. We thank you, God, for making a, a path back to you so that we could be in relationship with you, in right-standing relationship with you, God. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for your gospel. Help us, Lord God, as we go from this place this week to trust you more, to bring you more honor. And God, we will be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name.